Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil, and find out. Hello, everybody. Welcome along. Aaron Noonan here with the V8 Sleuth podcast. Great to have you with us. The guest this week is Lee Holdsworth, and we've split this chat into two parts across two weeks. Plenty to cover in part one. Before we get into that just quickly, our Bathurst Going Global podcast promo has been going great guns. Your chance to knock 10 bucks off our Bathurst 12-hour GT book. Go to the bookshop.vhsleuth.com.au website, use the code PEPPER, and you'll get 10 bucks off when you go through the checkout. That offer is not valid with any other offer, and it ends on Feb 28. Now, Lee Holdsworth, plenty to talk about in this first part of the pod. We talk about the recent news that he's no longer a full-time supercars driver. His TCR gig, driving an Alfa Romeo, and the backing that's come from his former Erebus team boss, Betty Clemenko. We go back to where his love for motorsport all started, and how a bit of advice, actually, from a Ford legend pointed him, of all things, to the Commodore Cup. We talk about his debut in the Bathurst 1000, which came with just eight practice laps in a V8 supercar around the mountain under his belt, joining Gary Rogers Motorsport for that wonderful chapter of his career and the origins of the lethal nickname. So here we go. Buckle up. Time to start. Part one of Lee Holdsworth on the V8 Sleuth podcast. Well, he has been in the headlines to start this season. We haven't even turned a wheel yet as we record this. Lee Holdsworth, welcome to Sleuth HQ. We've bought you a coffee. We've got you sat down. You're comfortable. You're relaxed. Uh, this could go anywhere from here, my friend. <laughs> yeah, you're trying to loosen me up yeah, with a yeah. coffee here, mate. No, thanks for having me on. I'm, uh, it's always enjoyable to catch up with your noons. I tell you, it's been a little while. Uh, last year in that same chair, at the very start of the year, a bloke called Caruso sat there. And he couldn't remember a thing about his career. It's like the chair just drained all of his memory from his career. So I hope it doesn't happen to you because these podcasts are built on uh, the history of your career. So <laughs> I noticed that the chair height was boosted yeah. up a little bit, so it's perfect. <laughs> There's a few short jokes coming. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Um, let's cover off the now. Obviously, um, the news came out recently that you are no longer a full-time supercars driver. It's taken us a while to get our head around that. How did you go getting your head around that concept? Because it comes for everybody at some point, but it probably came a bit quicker than you would have otherwise hoped and expected. Yeah, I mean, when you're in a contract, you sort of feel that you never expect that it's going to end short of of the end of that contract. So towards the end of last year, you know, there are a few things happening with uh, with sponsor movements um, and uh, and then obviously the license situation at Tickford. They had four licenses and, and sold, sorry, three licenses with a customer uh, and, and the customer license was sold. So then they had four drivers for three cars. So um, I, I never really, it would never really concern me too much until um, probably a, a couple of weeks after Bathurst. And that's when, yeah, there were rumors happening and that sort of thing. And I had to knuckle down and get to the bottom of it. And, um, yeah, sure enough, uh, there was no position for me, which is, yeah, a, a real shame because I was really enjoying myself um, there and I really felt like we made a really good gain at Bathurst with the car and, and 2021 was going to be a, a stronger year again. But, uh, hey, it, it's, it is what it is and I'm, I'm moving on. So you had no clue. You went to Bathurst, the last race of the championship, thinking 
that nothing was untoward for, for the following year. So you've kind of joined this list of guys who did their final full-time round but didn't know it at the time. Yeah, yeah, it's it's funny how it worked out. I mean, when you've been in the sport for so long, you know, 15 years, and I think it was 17 years since I started my first um, first race in supercars, uh, not to mention the couple of years in development series before that, uh, it, you, you, you hope to end your career knowing that it's the end. Um, and, and it was just a shame to finish up at Bathurst and then look back and go, hey, that was actually my last race. Um, at this point, anyway, you know, mm, you, you never, you know. never I mean, say never. But let, let's let's call it the Will Davison effect because well, exactly. you can go out and you can come back in, and you can come back into a very mm. good car. Yeah, and I think with Gen Three, you know, it reduces costs, so it gives the teams probably a bit more ability to hire guys like myself that you know can't bring a bundle of money. Um, and uh, and and yeah, so I'll I'll leave that door open, but um, yeah. I mean, looking back at Bathurst, it wasn't a bad way to finish. Mm. If that was my last uh, full time round, it wasn't bad a bad way. I've got some good memories of that round, and you know, to, to be provisional pole was just brilliant—a real, um, uh, you know, exciting moment in my career. And uh, we didn't quite have the car for the race, but uh, you know, shared the car with Caruso, good mate. Um, so it was a pretty cool way to go out. But, yeah, just would have been nice to, to, to know, know that you were going out. <laughs> <laughs> at least I'll be back at Bathurst anyway for hopefully a few years yet. Now, as we record this, your enduro deal for Bathurst isn't revealed. I'm not even going to ask you because I know you're not going to tell me, but uh, when people listen to this down the track, it's probably been announced and unveiled and they can go, oh, he knew at the time when we were listening to that and recording that, but he didn't tell <laughs> no, us. No, you already. You, you know everything, mate. I'm not so even going to try. <laughs> not going to try. But what you are doing this year, TCR, Alfa Romeo with Ash Seward, one of the things that caught my eye when I saw the photos of you having a bit of a burn down at uh, a Soggy Simmons Plains recently, Erebus is on the bonnet. Erebus Garage. Tell me about this. So is this the workshop business that they've got within the race team that services road cars give me the take because it's it's taken me back to the files here because you're a former Erebus driver so how does Erebus end up on an an alpha Betty Clemenko once she saw the rumors about me not having a drive um she she rang me and said she'd love to help out and um with with my next step which is just bloody brilliant really I mean from um from where I was I, at that point I was like Shit! What do I do now? Like and this I, is what November last year. Uh, it October. was probably more so. Geez, it was just before, just before the new year. So it was very late in the piece, and um, and I had Ash um, give me a call, and I was speaking to a few other teams about coming and driving with TCR because it's a sort of natural um, path to go, I think, after supercars um, or even you know before supercars. So. Uh, there was a drive lined up for me, but obviously, you know, everyone needs a bit of a budget behind them to to get the car to the track. And um, at that point, I didn't have much behind me at all. So, so Betty really got the ball rolling for me. So, so it's all her fault, really. Oh, it's fault. all her I don't fault. Know if it's her fault. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm just uh, mass, you know, massively in in debt to her personally. So. Um, you know, just she's she's been amazing, and uh, and we've always had a great relationship since Erebus, the Erebus days. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm pretty stoked to to have her support. Now, speaking of your racing chapter, I want to rewind it way back. You talk about um, the after life of supercars. Let's talk about the pre racing life of supercars. And there's a lot to cover, but where's the racing bug 
Bite Lee Holdsworth. Was your brother Brett already racing? Was your dad racing carts? How no, did it, it get to you? Because I've got a feeling that you kind of started it more than anyone in the family. Uh, it's yeah, it started with dad. He just loves motorsport. Always has. Um, if there's any motorsport on telly, he was watching it. So um, it. But he he started off when he was young. He was he was a tow truck driver, so a pickup driver when he. Um, at the race meetings, so he was going and picking up, you know, Moffat's car and oh. bloody Brockies and all sorts of stuff. So that's where he got his love and, affair with racing. And where was this? Was this in uh, out of Calder? Yeah, oh, it's down, down in Victoria. Down. So I was born here and uh, down in Melbourne and, and moved up to Queensland. So I, I grew up in from seven years up to twenty one years old. I was in Brisbane and then came back down here. So um, yeah, my, most of my family are from Melbourne. And uh, mum and dad are still up there in, in Queensland, as well as my brother Brett. Uh, but when we, so we always, we, we got into it, as you do, you know, when your dad's watching something on telly, you sort of sit down with him and spend some time and you, you develop your interest through that as yep. well. So when we we're about, um, I think probably about four years old, my brother's only 18 months older, so four and five years old. Um, He's 18 or, months older, but he's about a foot taller. How does that work out? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's questions about where he came from, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we were yeah four and six or something around there, and, and we got a uh, we we were wanting motorbikes. Brett and I, we just loved motorbikes. Dangerous. We used to put the dangerous put the uh, the bottle in the back wheel, you know, the plastic oh, bottle, yeah, so our road bikes would sound like. Anyway, so and Dad hates motorbikes, so so you were no chance to get no chance, no chance. And um, and he must have told Santa because Santa just delivered us a go kart one year. And were you disappointed? For Christmas. You and, think oh, uh, this is crap? I didn't ask for this. <laughs> no, I think we had two wheels each out of the go karts. It was like half a. Uh, it was like a motorbike each. Um, but it was sitting in our room one morning when we woke up, and it was honestly to this day probably the best day of my life. Um, so we we got to share that go kart for. I was six years old, and by that stage, um, we moved to. I think we moved to Queensland when I was six. Anyway, so I started. You couldn't get your license till you were seven. I started um, practicing when I was six, and I couldn't reach the pedals. Um, <laughs> nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Uh, so we put training wheels over the pedals oh. for me to reach the the, <laughs> the throttle and the brake. And um, obviously, we had to slip them off for Brett when he raced, but it was just so cool. And and you know, once you got the bug. Um, it it's doesn't in. go away. Yeah, yeah, once it's in. Now, we talked just before about the aftermath of, and you said about TCR could be a, a run-up to supercars for, for other drivers. Your career pathway to supercars is completely unique. No one's done what you've done. No one did the Commodore Cup pathway through. And a lot of our listeners might go, Commodore Cup, what's that? Because it's not around anymore. But in the mid-'90s, they created this category called Commodore Cup with VB, VC, VH Commodores, the 4.2 litre V8. Later on, they got the newer bodies and stuff like that. But um, it was, they put a bottle of Hoosier tyre. I think Dale Wood's dad raced it for a time. There was a bunch of guys in Victoria that got it up and running. And then it kind of spread in the late 90s and the early noughties as a cost effective circuit racing V8 category. Um, and you're the only guy. I mean, other guys have done a bit of V8s, but not to the level that you have from that series. Was that a case of what it, the bang for buck 
to go that way because, I mean, you did a bit of open wheeler stuff later, but was that the case of I want to go supercars and this is where we're going to start because this is what matches our wallet? Yeah, 100%. I mean, through go-karts, we were only, you know, state-level races. We didn't go, well, I did one national, but, um, you know, that was a huge deal to us. We didn't have any new tyres or anything. So we were always budget races. Um, Brett and I shared a go-kart most of the time and then, I think for the last few years of our career in go-karts, we had our own second handies. Um, so most of the time they had cracks in the chassis and all sorts of stuff. But it, it taught us how to get the most out of our equipment. So then Brett moved into Commodore Cup. I was uh, 16 or 17. He, he moved into Commodore Cup. We bought one off Tim Shaw down in Tassie. Who was a bit of a gun. Who was a gun, He was yeah. a gun in that He series. was a gun. Yeah. I think he won a few championships. And then he was up against Degoston and Emery and a few of those guys, Greg Waters. Um, they were the guns back then. And, and Brett entered that category and did a really good job. Like I think he was um, – I think he ran top five or top three in his first year and – and then I had to, you know, naturally had to go somewhere after go-karts. So when I was 17, that was my last year of go-karts. And I think that year I, I raced my first Commodore Cup race as well. So we just leased out a car for the weekend. Then the following year, yeah, it was um, it was such a cheap form of motorsport. I mean, I would have loved to, if we had the, the money uh, or the backing, I would have gone to Formula Ford, but we didn't. And, and I think, you know, the, my dad used to have these... Um, these meetings for his his company where he'd, he'd have a, a Christmas breakfast and they'd invite a guest speaker, and it was actually Dick Johnson came along and um and and I had a we had a good chat to him, and he said to us he said where are you he- where are you trying to head with this and I said supercars it's always been where I've wanted to go, and he said well don't go Formula Ford go tin top. And we said, well, and this how is about- before the days of the Super Three series. At, yeah, you know, Super Twos didn't turn up till two thousand. It was yeah. probably not quite on the radar there, but there wasn't those other platform steps there. That's right. Anyway. Yeah. So Commodore Cup was was the way to go. So we went racing. I think we were spending about thirty grand a year each um, on a Commodore Cup car, and uh, and we both ran at the front. And I did that for two years, and I was. Uh, Best rookie the first year, fifth in the championship, and then the second year I was third in the championship, and uh, and then got to a point where Brett and I um, we 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 really didn't have, or more so my family, mum and dad, they didn't have the money to to see us both go. So they purely backed you both all the way through. TTM was the it was traffic management. TTM, was, yeah, yeah, traffic management. Um, they're now in the hands of someone else now. But, um, dad sold them a, a long time ago, and now Brett's got his company of TPS and Pry Park, which was a, a a side business of TTM that um, was you know separate mm. after after all that to TTM. So, but there's no one else helping on the backing front. Maybe a couple of little uh, bits just to client, help, but, just but a few of yeah. Dad's clients. But it was yeah, it was, a lot of it was out of our pocket. I was. Uh, throughout go karts, I was cleaning the office. Um, you know, that was the my, janitor. I think I was three hundred bucks a month, um, Ooh, and that that'd get it. us uh, a, a, a uh, an engine refresh once a year in our go kart. So I was always trying to chip in, and then I became the filing clerk. And um, so you know, <laughs> how was, was your all- filing, by the way? Were you any good? Uh, out of sight, out of mind for me, you know. <laughs> just stick <laughs> it in the bowling Just filing. stick it in the bowling cabinet and shove it in there. Um, You'd be great for spring cleaning. <laughs> just put it in the cupboard. <laughs> that was someone else's problem yeah. in a few days. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, I did as much as I could to help. And, and then I started working at the driving center as well out at Norwell. 
to earn a bit of cash as well. But yeah, so Brett and I, we, we were always on a shoestring budget, but we got to that point after two years of Commodore Cup, Brett was very, uh, very entrenched in the business side, the family business, and, and I wasn't interested. I only had one thing in mind, and that was to go racing. Um, so I was out chasing sponsors every day. Um, and, uh, and, and it was, it was a decision that, uh, we had to come to as a family as to what we were going to do then, because, you know, going into, uh, super uh, well, at the time it was development series, um, was, was the next step. There was no step in between. And that was, you know, a fair bit more money. And, uh, and so Brett had to step out of racing, which, you know, I still really, you know, I owe him a lot for. Um, but I was always the, the committed, you know, I was fully committed. He was out, you know, at a go-kart meeting. He'd be going to a party the night before, whereas I was, in bed and I'd wake up in my race suit ready to go. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, we were, we, we had different sort of plans. And although he had, um, as good a b- ability, um, he just didn't have the, the same commitment. So yeah, uh, into Smith's trucks we went. I was going to say, was that the first V8 you drove, the Smith's trucks Commodore? Did you drive it something was. else before that? No, no, no. That was the first supercar I ever drove. And how did that link? Because Robert Smith uh, is from Ballarat, my hometown, mm. uh, trucking business owner who had bought a, um, a couple of different supercars and touring cars up yep. to that point, had, uh, had a run himself as well. Um, how did the link – I think he by that stage had kind of – uh, stepped out of driving and was putting some young guys in the cars in previous opportunity. Owen Kelly had had a run the previous James year. Small. James James Small. James Small. Yeah, he was at he was there the day I tested. Right. With yeah. So it was him and I out there the, the same uh-huh. day. So we're we're at what two thousand four is 2000, when you started in yeah. DBS. So is this oh three? Uh, this is um, that was in probably the the end of oh three. I think I would have jumped in that car. Yeah. Um, and I forgot, I tested a Formula Holden just before that out at Wakefield Park with uh, Graham Watson's Rolt. Ah, oh, the late Graham Watson, the Rolt team. Yeah, yep. the yep. Rolt. And and that was honestly the the most awesome thing ever. But uh, that was going to cost us more. So we, um, and, and to be honest, I'm, I'm glad I did. You know, I'm glad we did go the way we did because I think you know, sticking to the, the tin top path um, w- was a good thing to do. And, uh, yeah, so I was helping out whilst I was in Commodore Cup the uh, the for those two years. I was helping. So that's 0203, yeah? Uh, yes. Yeah, because 04 was your first yes. year in Yep, that's in right. Yep. 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 Thanks for reminding me. You do, you're doing better than Caruso so far. He <laughs> couldn't remember where he'd been or what he'd done. Um, and uh, so I, I emailed all these team managers in supercars and I said, hey, just want to help out, sweep the floors, do tyre pressures, whatever you want me to do, wipe the car over. I just want to be there. I just want to get amongst it and see what happens in the pits. And so, um, yeah, I remember uh, it was – who was uh, – Ryan McLeod was the guy that got back to me. Who and, was working uh, with Who Robert was working Smith with Robert Smith, yep. yeah. I think it was Emory Motorsports at the time, IMS. Yeah, because Mike uh, had was run there. his team and yeah. then kind of I think that sort of – Rolled through some of the yeah. personnel, then got involved with running Roberts. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. I went to Bathurst and helped out. Um, uh, it was Degostin and Daryl Beatty in the car. That's right. So that's two thousand two. Yeah. They ran two cars. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So they had. So uh, you were you were you were. What were you doing there? Just anything? I was on tire pressures. 
you're the king of pressure. King of pressure, yeah. yeah nice. I love a bit of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> but I had it was the, the funniest meeting. I was so stressed because I was on tires. And you know, it's a big job. It's important. Like, you get it wrong, it's bad. Yeah. I like I'm surprised now. Looking back, I'm going, geez, that was a yep. big call to put me on tire pressures my first round. Uh but but I did it. Did but you I know had, how to run a pyrometer? <laughs> I, I didn't have the pyro. That was not my job. That was oh, well that's above right, my. That's right, that's right. You were just <laughs> a pressure man. You yeah. didn't do that. Okay. So uh, and and I so I had um it, it was it was a really funny one. I had Mike Emery telling me what tire pressures to put in. So he'd say, put in twenty eight and thirty or whatever. So I'd do that, and then I'd have Ryan McLeod come over and he'd say, I want twenty six and twenty seven. And I say, but Mike Im- uh, Mike Emery just told me you know blah blah blah. No, what. No, don't listen to him. I'm the bloody team manager here. Put but he's the in. team owner. <laughs> so I'd do it and then Mike would come back and he'd go, are those tie presses at this and this? And I'd say, no, yeah. Ryan just told me. <laughs> so it was, a, it was a bit of a shit fight and I, and I caused a bit of a stir between the two of them because they both disagreed. But I, um, anyway, I chose Ryan's side on that and, uh, and Ryan actually – so from that point on, those guys uh, – were were watching my career in Commodore Cup, and uh, and and then Robert Smith got involved with that team, and um, and he he got his development series team going. I forget who was running in the year before I was there, but uh, I think they were doing a bit of a standalone type thing, and Ryan had yeah. been helping him out. Yeah. Owen Kelly drove in. Yes, Owen Kelly. Them, yeah, uh, in in an ex Gibson car. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So I went to a. They asked me to a test day, and uh, and and. We had James Small there as well out at Winton and did a few laps Who there. at the time was Formula Fording. Yeah. Who now is a crew chief in yeah. NASCAR. He was your engineer at GRM yeah. some years later. Crazy. I remember that you snuck around the rule there for Friday practice and test days because you could stick your engineer in because he was a driver yeah. as well. Yeah. And he was a gun. Handy. He had a rookie he day a or two, didn't he? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> no other engineer got let loose. I'll, I'll get it later in the show. I'm sure we can talk about. Uh, how Gary unselfed him and is an endurance drive to stay in the team, um, but yeah. Anyway, we'll get to that. But yeah, so it was a uh, it was a funny one. But yeah, th- so those guys really helped me out, and and um, and I got that that drive. Um, we had to come up with a bit of money. Smithy uh, was brilliant in in funding most of it. So you said just find a bit. Yeah. Top it up. Yeah, yeah. So you know he had his Smith trucks down the side, which um, which paid for most of it, and and. Um, yeah, uh, I yeah, I it just landed in my lap really. Like mm. I went searching for it, but uh, the opportunity came and and I took it and had some good guys in the team. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car? best suited to. Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out. One of the themes that we've really covered in this podcast over two and a half years with our sit-down chats is that for everyone and anyone who makes it anywhere in the sport, somewhere along the line there's maybe two, three, four, one, five people that made the difference. You met them at the right time. They Mm. opened a door, they gave you an opportunity, they stuck 10 grand in here, they did something and including Robert Smith's Beyond, of course, your, your mum and dad and your family, but mm. then kind of in the if you did the next two or three people who, if you didn't meet them or if you didn't do that thing, it wouldn't have got you to the next thing. Yeah. He was kind of the if there's no Robert Smith at that point, 
maybe no one else is in that position to give you a hand and you don't yeah. get in the door and you're not here now. Yeah, well, it's exactly right. I mean, every step in your career, there's there's always that someone, you know, and and you, you know, you, it's 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 one of the, you know, we we all know motorsport is such a small community that you can't burn bridges. Um, you've got to well, have you a can. Good, we can, you can, but, but you, you may have to cross the track back over that, <laughs> and uh, and often you do. You know, it comes around in circles. So, um, I I I always, um, you know, I felt like I'd I'd put in a big effort with people, and and I'd get back from someone, and and that's the opportunity I'd take. So, um, yeah, Robert Smith came forward, um, Ryan McLeod, huge parts of my career, and then after a couple of years, I, I did um, most of the season. With uh, with with Robert Smith uh, in 2004 in development series, I think I did three quarters of the season, and then the following year I did much the same. But we, I didn't have a a budget for that second year, so um, again, Smithy came forward and and helped me out, and uh, and then at the end of that year, uh, I'd I'd been approaching everyone obviously for a, a co-drive because now was the the time to to Just go get to yourself get in there. In there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and I went to Queensland Raceway, and no one really wanted to speak to me. Um, but Gary Rogers said, "Hey, let's meet in the truck." He actually before the meeting, I'd, I'd never heard from him, and uh, and I went and I think I, Dave, uh, Will Davison was racing in the DJR car in in development oh, so series that weekend as 2005, well. Two thousand five, he did a one off. Two thousand five, right. yeah. yeah. So uh, we get out there, and I, I put it on second on the grid. And I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the Smith's car. Yeah, yeah, and I think in the DVS race, Dave, Dave might have been third in Canto Pole or something. It was something, something like, like that. that. Anyway, yeah. so then I get a call from Gary, and I say, "Come and meet me in the truck," and that's how the co-drive came about. So I then teamed up with Philip Skyfleet that year. But you'd already teamed up with him before. I had actually, yeah. So in two, we, we should we should rewind a little bit. So yeah. in two thousand and four, you did the DVS in a Smith Trucks car. Yeah, there were two cars. A lot of people might remember Alan yes, Gurr. Alan Gurr drove the other one, won the first round. Yeah. at Wakefield Park in mm-hmm. the wet. In the wet. Uh, so it's your first year, your first year driving a, a supercar. Mm. Um, but for the end of the, that year, for the it was sort of a different time then in the the championships because you could take your development series car and you could through not really wild cards like we have mm. now, but you had the opportunity to run at the Enduros and some of the bigger events under other licenses and things. Mm-hmm. So the opportunity arose that they put yourself with Phil for mm. the Sandown 500. Yeah. And do you remember how that went? Uh, I do. It didn't I go do. very no. good, did it? <laughs> I think uh, I, I don't think I jumped in the car for the I race. I think it I caught think, fire. Yeah, I think we had an airbox fire and, uh, and it, it, Phil ended up parking in just down a uh, second last corner in the in the mm. sand truck trying to get to, to the fire marshals. had to bail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and th- it was a pretty good burn too. <laughs> bad so, burn. No. It's a bad burn. Not a good burn when it's burning. No, no. Uh, Because then for Bathurst, you were with Mark Noski yes. in the Smith's Trucks car. So That's tell me right. about your first oh, yeah, Bathurst the, in the yeah. supercar and all the little what, funny what, stories and bits and pieces. Experience. So I'd done a... A very few laps in practice. So had you ever been? I'd there? never ever been around. Not Bathurst. in anything because no, Commodore Cup didn't race there back in nothing. the day, did they? Like, there's no way these days that allow anyone to do no it. No way. So I jumped on track in practice. So I I did. Uh, I probably did. I don't know eight flyers and um, eight lap times. I got down to back then a good time would have been a nine, and uh, I think I got down to a twelve after eight laps, and and I was hanging on. I was really hanging on, and. Uh, 
And I came in and and they said, all right, mate, now Mark's going to qualify, blah, blah, blah. So we, By that stage, he'd done a lot of battles. done a lot, so he's yeah. pretty experienced. Yeah. done a lot. So it was pretty cool at the time to – to team up with Mark Noski, you know, he was a and do you remember he was that? a name. Uh, he'd been around yeah. a long time, but that your first Bathurst was Brock's last. Ah, it was. Because he's driving for HRT. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Um, but didn't he race Team Brock car? Two years before that. Ah. Yeah, 04 was his last one in a HRT that's car. Right. With, yeah. Well, he didn't get to drive it. Yeah. He, you know, it was like you at Sandown. Yeah. He didn't get to have a drive. Yeah. Uh, Plato had the... Yes. The shunt prior to that with John Cleland. So. That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he missed out. Yep. But, um, I remember mum freaking out about that uh, BOC car rolling on its coming roof. out of the chase. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, uh, we get to the race. And, and by I've this stage, how many laps have all. you done? <laughs> Probably Not another many. two laps maybe. I don't even. I don't think I even did that. I think I'd done eight laps all up, six laps, eight laps. So you've laps. done a grand total of about 50 kilometres of competitive racing speed yeah. driving at Bathurst before being let loose in the Bathurst 1000. Yeah, yeah. So, and, <laughs> that, and to make matters worse, mate, listen to this. Yeah. Here we go. Listen to this. Now we're getting the good stuff. <laughs> so Mark starts. He uh, he got he got a, um, a penalty for passing before the uh, – there was a safety car and he passed someone before the, the line on the restart. So he got a, a, a penalty. He comes into pit lane. We drive a change. I go. You can't do a, a driver change for a penalty. Sorry, right? it a he's, sorry. He'd served his penalty. Right. We went down a lap. Yep. Comes in, puts me in the car for my first lap ever around in the Bathurst One Thousand, and there's a safety car, and I'm at the front of the field, like first car. Hey, are you the about safety to car. go a lap down or a lap down about to go two down? Uh, no, sorry. I was so I was just about to go a lap down. Right. So Ryan's saying to me over the radio, Ryan McLeod, he said, mate, don't let him pass over the top. Just let him pass down the bottom. And uh, and I went up. It was about my second lap in. I think a few cars had gone past. And uh, and I'd done my fastest lap just trying to trying to hang with the pack. And, uh, and I came around for the next lap and I had, I think it was Greg Murphy, um, Ambrose, and Ingle up my ass, pushing me. <laughs> a bunch of no one. Pushing me up over the top. And uh, and I come down, uh, I'm I'm hard up against the wall on every corner thinking that, you know, this must be how those guys feel, like freaking out. <laughs> and I get down to the bottom of the dipper, come out, and I see Thomas Mazura going quite slow coming down the hill in the track car. In I the think. toll car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. We get to Forest Elbow. And he goes super slow on the inside, and I'm thinking he's letting me through here. Uh, so I went around the outside, and then he started rolling through the corner, and I'm on the high line, the dirty line, and obviously smacked the fence on the exit. So I've taken out the front right corner, and um, it, there was a slight sigh of relief, but uh, the pressure it, went away. Yeah. But also, you're right front uh, as well. Yeah, it was it was a sad way to to end your first Bathurst 1000, but. Um, it, it ends like that for a lot of drivers, but yeah, it's it, that was an experience for me, and and it it was a real eye opener. I'm like, these guys play for keeps, and um, and and Bathurst is is a scary place. Mm, yeah, if you haven't bitten the concrete there before, you're gonna. It's yeah. not a case of if, but when. I think from memory too, did you not run another? You did a solo round at the end of that year. A solo round Eastern at Creek. Eastern Creek. Yeah. yeah, there you go. So that was your first With solo With Les Small go. on the radio. Oh, that's an experience. So James's dad. 
Uh, that was an experience. I think I'd ripped my headphones out at one point. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, yeah, that was in the Smith's Trucks car again, um, last round of the year. So uh, that was, yeah, that was, it was really, that was a great experience. So you got I a think, you got a gauge then. You a went, really good right gauge. I know I know where I got to get to to be yes. hanging out with these boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, that was that was the last round of two thousand four. Mm-hmm. So then, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, uh, and I think I finished twenty second or something. And I look back at those names behind me, and I had some some guys that. That had you know good credentials, and that's and when the field was about thirty five, not yeah, twenty five. Yeah. So when you're twenty second, yeah, it doesn't sound as flash if you're applying today's field to it. Yeah. But to that field of that era, you got a few behind you. You're, yeah. you're two thirds of the field, not you know. That's the right, back. and it was the I think they purposely did that one because it was the one where I went quite well in development series my first year. I won that um, reverse grid race and and had really good pace. So they were like, all right, he might be good to go in the main series and see what he's got. So. Um, and, and that's the thing, you know, when you get into the main series after being in the development series, it's like you think, okay, this is – before you get there, you think, yeah, I'll, I'll run competitively. I know I'm not going to win, blah, blah, blah. But you get there and you go, holy shit, like <laughs> this is this is intense. Mm. It's, it's uh, you know, you're at that stage of your career, you're not getting anywhere near out of the car what you need to. And and it shows you where you need to get to. Mm. So so then your next meeting in development series or you know the following year it gave me it, it gave me uh, a, a ballpark um, on on how hard I needed to go to get to where that that standard and um, and it was it was good to do that because the next year in development series I really took a massive um, leap forward and um, and, uh, and and yeah knew exactly what I needed to do to get there. And that next year too, it was a bit of a double program because a lot of people mm. forget that you did, you went back and did Formula Ford. I did because that had been, and I always thought that that was had not been part of your mm. um, intended pathway. But obviously, as we've discussed, the reason why you ended up in Commodore Cup and you mm. didn't go and do Formula Ford was that a case of uh, I need to go and do that to better my skills a little bit more and sort of fill in the gap that I kind. It was like skipping a grade. Somewhere back in the track. You know, Was that the it, reason, or tell me some more about that? Yeah, there's a there's a different reason actually. Uh, I feel like we're getting a, a scoop here. Yeah, yeah I think yeah, yeah. this has probably never been said before. But um, so I met Alana at the end of 2003. Now and this was on my list too to ask you how you met your <laughs> wife, by the way. But you're going to answer it without so me asking. So I met her at the flirt night uh, at Regatta Hotel up in Brizzy. Anyway, at the what? It was a, at the Regatta Hotel. No, 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 the other bit. Flirt night. What's a flirt night? <laughs> it's where you, it's uh, pretty cheesy, but you used to go to the pub and and you'd get a number. You'd have a number on you, you know, three hundred oh, right. twenty-three yeah, yeah. or whatever, and uh, you'd put in if you liked a girl or they liked you or whatever. They'd they'd write a little message and say from number two forty-three to number three hundred eleven. So um, this, this is like, um, and it would manu- come up. This is like manual Tinder. Yeah, yeah, that was that's about <laughs> as close as it got back then. And it would come up on the screen, you know, number blah blah blah. You got a message, so you go check it, and uh, and I'd written her a message. I think I don't know. I won't. I think she's kept it, but I think she's still got the message. Like <laughs> you're what the a- most beautiful girl in here, or something. It was real, you know, real charming. And uh, well, it must have been. It, it worked. worked. It worked. And uh, and anyway, so we struck up a, a relationship back then, and um, and 
at the end of the first year, which was the end of my first year in development series, it started getting pretty serious. We wanted to move in together. Dad was pretty concerned about you know my commitment to racing and uh, and and with the budget that we had, it was very short. So Dad didn't want to commit to anything, thinking that I wasn't fully committed. So I said to Dad, "Well, if you're not gonna, you know." Help me out here. I'm going to Melbourne. So, so was, this a, was this a bit of a tip, my brother, bit of a blue? Uh, a little bit, yeah. yeah, a little bit. It was a forceful conversation. Yeah, but some. I, I think there's a lot of um, a lot of the time, you know, the driver, uh, the you know, the son needs to separate from the dad. Mm. In a lot of instances where, um, you know, dad has a lot of the dad has a lot of control, obviously, because for financial reasons, they're money. very yep. invested I in it. it. They need to split a little bit. And um, and I thought, you know, great opportunities in Melbourne. A lot of race teams. Um, my development series team was down there, so I said, I'm I'm going, and uh, and the sort of the tap turned off um, a little bit. So, well, a lot until until Dad realised that I wasn't just there just to you know play around or whatever. Um, I actually moved in with Brett, and because uh, he'd started a business down here, and uh, and and we got a little apartment in St Kilda which is really cool a little two bedroom um so it was Brett Alana and I in this little apartment and a little cat that Alana <laughs> begged me to get uh, that just died the other day after that many years oh. so <laughs> there you go oh um, put a sour, sorry, put sour a part of that story it. <laughs> it's a good life uh, though good cat life so I went and uh sussed out what opportunities there are, and there was so an opportunity. There's no driving here. You don't have any. No, I didn't have hits. anything at this. But you point went. I've got to get down here to be. Yeah, yeah. And Smithy, you know, as much as he wanted me driving, he was saying need need a bit of a budget. Um, so I I found an opportunity with Sean Scott um, in a Formula Ford team in his Formula Ford team, and they were out at Brayside. Um, I ended up getting that drive, um, but. I still needed to find a little bit of funding, but it was a hell of a lot cheaper than going development series racing. So once Dad realised that, you know, I was pretty passionate about it and this was not going to stop, uh, he said, right, you know, oh, sorry, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, I, I want to help you out. Uh, let's, you know, I'll help you out with this in Formula Ford and you've got to find the rest. And, you know, so I was working full time and all that money was going back into the racing or where, where coming were you, off, were you working uh, out at Brayside. At yeah, Brayside. So yeah. is it Borland's uh, across the road across from Borland? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Sean Mike had his Borland. own little factory. Uh, it was myself, Jason Lefting, um, Kiwi guy, yeah, Mark McNally. But they were sort of chopped and changed a few drivers at the time, and um, Andrew Thompson was there as yeah. well for a few races. So yeah, I was uh, I was working there pretty late every night, getting the train out there because I didn't have a car. Biking from the uh, from the train station out to that's commitment out to Brayside for the young racing driver want to be listeners yeah that's commitment. Well, I thought you know that showed Dad how committed I was. You're not here for fun. And um and uh, and yeah, so I, I I started that up, and then Smithy rang up. He said, "Mate, I want you to come back um and and do development series with us." And I said, "I don't have anything, Smithy." And he said, "There's no dramas. Come along." So then I was racing two, two, uh, doubling. So you go from nothing to it was crazy. two things. Yeah. Crazy. crazy. Feast or famine. So it was pretty, it was awesome because I learned a lot in Formula Ford, um, with car control. Um, you know, Sean was quite good on the data. So I learned a lot with the data, uh, and, and I could apply that to the supercar as well. 
Um, I think that me driving Formula Ford helped in in development series, but I'm not sure development series helped me for Formula Ford. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anyways, it was great just to have my bum in the seat. So many appearances every year uh, for that year, and um, it really fast fast tracked my uh, my learning and and um, and and prepared me better for the following year. So you go to Queensland Raceway, you meet Gary Rogers. I presume it went well. It went well. Good chat. It was a very short, chat, weird Very, chat, very short, short conversation, yeah. as they are with Gary. But I think, yeah, you know, he put me into the truck and he said, right, you, you, you keen to come race for us? The bloody, you know, Bathurst? And I said, yeah, yeah, absolutely, Gary. He said, right, I'll see you in October. So away we went and that was, uh, you know, I spoke but, to him a few times between that time and then. The best part, though, it wasn't how much you got. How much? Yeah. Most times people <laughs> say you've got to drive. Zip. Oh, yeah. But how I much you got? you meant money. No. <laughs> there was certainly no money. Um, but, yeah, it was amazing. That was huge When you're not getting me. paid. I'm like, this is, this is big. You know, you're I've not got, paying. You're no. not paying. When you're not getting paid, no. you're not paying. So it's okay. That's right. Exactly. So that was huge. And, uh, and, and that was really my ticket. You know, that was my, my ticket at that point in my career to, to then take the next step. And, uh, and so off we went to, um, to Sandown and, and Bathurst that year. Um, I forget how we went at Sandown. Maybe you could tell me. I have to uh, look it up, but I think we had a teens. Few, I think there's a few yeah. issues and dramas. I think yeah. There was a spin at some point. I remember seeing it backwards. Yeah. I think, on the back straight. I, think I don't know Skyfleet who was driving. had a bit of a spin there. Mm, yeah. But, uh, so we went to Bathurst, um, I uh, I remember I came out of the pits. We were we were having a, a quite a good run. I think we were in twelfth or something like that. And um, and I didn't pump the pedal coming up to turn two. Uh, not the first, not the last. No, the young bloke's trap. So I come I came into turn two and and grabbed the the the, the brake and nothing happened. So I'm pumping it up on the way in, and I just got some pedal before the corner, but I was going in too quick. So I ended up plowing into the tire bundle didn't get stuck but just plowed it and came back out the other side um and it just scuffed up all the front end anyway so they the next stop i came in and uh and they oh what sorry no we did a driver change noski uh, sorry skyfleet jumps in and the bonnet comes up because i'd rip the pins out yeah that's right yeah so I remember they were trying to guide him all the way back from He's the trying telly to drive down under the, underneath the bonnet under in the, the bonnet. gap. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, anyway, but it we smashed came, the windscreen, didn't it? it? Smashed the windscreen. Yeah. So then I've, we had to take the rear windscreen out. I jumped back in, and it was like cold. It, it was a frigging cold day. So because because more famously, Lowndes got hit in the window yes. with a pulled umbrella tire that day. Yeah. And his car with yeah. the Van Muller had the, both the windows yeah. out. So two cars in the one race. Yeah. yeah. With Different ways of having it happen, but uh, four drivers getting very chilly. For yeah, the day. It, was, it was cold that day. I remember it was too. a it was freezing a day, but I wasn't going to complain no, considering I was the one that caused it. So yeah, I pushed on and um and it was like a parachute down the straight, <laughs> and it felt like an open wheeler because my head coming. was wobbling it's still around there trying to get its way down. <laughs> and uh, and and luckily I had a visor. I always wonder. These guys that don't run visors, what are they going to do if they have to do that again? But have their eyeballs blown out. Yeah, so uh, we finished. Oh, sorry, we I came up to that. Um, mm-hmm. that I know crash, where this is going. Came up to the crash that Ambrose and Murph just had up at the cutting, and you can hear Murph's version of that, by the way, on his episode of the podcast we did last year. 
We've bleeped a lot of it. <laughs> I'm sure you have. I was there. I was there I to we witness it. We bleeped all of it, actually. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I wish I had a tape recorder because I was standing close enough to hear it. Anyway, so I've come up and I've just pulled up short of it. I'm like, beauty. I'll, oh, I know, had the There's shan. like 10 cars in front of me but that are all banged blocked. up. The track's And it's blocked. completely blocked. And I thought, there's like 10 positions here. <laughs> and uh, and I look up and I see Bugs comes flat out around the corner and drill the ass of my car and push me into the cars in front. So I just got completely sandwiched and uh, and it was time to jump out. So I jumped out. I got up on the inside of the track on the wall and I see Ambrose and Murph going at it. I could hear every word. It was great. Um, so, yeah, although although it was disappointing, I, I feel like I got to witness a pretty Mate, good the, mark in the, the history. you were the closest person to one of those <laughs> famous was, moments in Bathurst history and you had it all. So <laughs> I was actually hoping I'd see a fist come out, but, um, yeah, it was – it was disappointing to end end that race like that. Um, didn't you get going though? No, no, we were no, we were buggered. They towed it. Yeah, we were buggered. Yeah. So thanks, Bugs. Yeah, thanks, Bugs. <laughs> I thought I thought I did a really good job to pull it up. <laughs> but, Boom. <laughs> anyway, so uh, so then you know, we um, uh, did a and I did my development series race there, and then we had. Uh, and then I got uh, – Canto was going for the championship that year in development series. With DJ. And he'd already been asked to be full-time drive with Gary for the following year because uh, I think they'd announced that, that Andrew Jones was leaving. Well, so, he, no, well he had – they had uh, – Cameron McConville. Yeah, Cameron McConville and Andrew Jones. Jones, he left after Bathurst and Canto, That's right. and Canto, Canto drove, drove Gold yes. Coast yes. onwards. But the final round of the DVS – he wanted was to concentrate on the main game at Phillip Island. Island. And, yes. Yep, and so Gary asked me to step in and that was, I'm like, I, I actually got a, an, an opportunity here that could put me in a seat for the following year. So, uh, because I, the other part of that was McConville. McConville was, was leaving, leaving to PWR. Yeah. Um, so it was just really, I don't know whether you can say it on here, but kissed on the cock is one <laughs> way I'd put it. Um, where I, I had an opportunity to, to step into a main drive. And, and that weekend, um, I think McCon- McConville qualified 21st. I qualified 22nd or 23rd. So I wasn't too far off him. And, um, you know, it's not where I wanted to qualify, but, but I thought, you know, he was my yardstick. And, uh, and then in the race, I broke a, uh, a shifter. So then it's I the had guns, half mate. a too hard on the gear. Must be. Uh, I had a half a, a gear stick, and the thing was digging that hard into my into my hand. But again, like that wasn't going to stop, stop me. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, I ran round and round and uh, finished up, you know, somewhere I don't know, early twenties or, or high teens or something, and um, and had a good, you know, fun weekend. But uh, and, and I, I, Gary always looks for someone. At the time, I didn't know this about Gary, but he always looks for someone that's going to push through, you know, and and not worry about the little things like that. Um, and I think that's probably why then I got the call up for the following year was because he saw that, you know, this bloke's pretty pretty keen to... And he's got a hole in his hand as well. Yeah. Well, that's how keen he is. <laughs> exactly. He saw the blister on my hand and he thought, this guy's, this guy's uh, you know, he's, he's not going to stop with anything. So, but... It was a fairly stressful point at the end of that year because Alana and I had just moved down to Melbourne and uh, and and it looked like it was all over again. 
because I'd heard rumours that Bargs was coming back and um, and Gary wasn't showing any commitment. So I moved back. Um, we, we got a little truck. We hired a little truck and drove back to back to Brisbane when moved in with Alana's dad. And after about two weeks back there, or a week back it might have been, I get a call from Gary and he said, can you start next week? <laughs> <laughs> I said, you, you're bloody kidding me, Gary. Are you seriously, you've really, like just you've waited for- that removal van and I turn t- it around. I knew I was going back. It's like you just wanted to see how how committed I was. So anyway, I said, Gary, I I need something to show you commitment. Can you give me something? He said, righto, well, I'll send you through a fax. So he sends me a fax and it was my contract. That was my first contract was yeah. a two-page fax from Gary. And I thought that was good enough to then, you know, get back on the road and get back uh, get back to Melbourne. We we then moved into a place in East Melbourne, just Alana and I. And um and I started work honestly like the day after I got back and and I was working full-time with Gary um but on a 5-year deal. And that was just a dream come true. Five year deal Five for year your deal. first main yeah. game deal. There's not too yeah. many dudes yeah. to get that. That's yeah. that's I think we call that half a Reynolds these days. But yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think I, I think Gary was the Reynolds in this situation because yeah. he could have pulled out at any point. <laughs> what was um? I remember when Bargs and Garth and so many of those guys got their opportunities. They had to work in the business at the time. Gary had the car yards and. I think Garth was the man to get the spare parts down from the shelf because he's mm. six foot ten. Uh, I think Bargs was doing spare parts, all sorts of bits and pieces. By that stage, were you race team worker? Go for what? What were you? What was your actual job apart from the race driving bits on the weekends? Uh, yeah, I I really wanted to understand more about the cars. You know, Gary always wants to understand where you want to be and where your skills lie. So. I just said to him, Gary, I want to know as much about these cars as possible. I want to understand what's going wrong with the car when when something goes wrong. I want to be able to give the fe- the feedback to the engineers on on when there's a problem and be able to identify it so they can get onto it quicker. So, I started off my first year in there um, as a number three um, on the car. On your own car or the other car? On my own car. Yeah, that's, that's a bit safer. <laughs> um, and uh, and really. Just loved that. Like I had a great time. Adam Debore was my engineer. That's right. Was um, too. That was his first year in the category. He came over from Porsche in um, Europe. So, um, yeah, I, I I just loved it. We'd go training at lunchtime, just Adam and I, um, and uh, and run over at the the oval over the road, and then I'd go to you know other times I'd go to the the swimming pool with Gypsy and eat gym, dim sims for lunch afterwards. <laughs> um, By when we say Gypsy. Everyone calls him Gypsy at GRM. His name is Jeff Marshall. He's been there for bloody years yeah. um, in the engine shop and, and all sorts of stuff. He was Legend. the car controller for yeah. for heaps of years at GRM. So yeah. the, the, his voice is probably familiar to people on hearing the radios yeah. on the TV broadcast back yeah. in the day. If but you can probably... hear the panic on the radio, go, 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 go. Was, was <laughs> he the bloke that you – did you skittle him one day at yeah. Bathurst? That <laughs> yeah, was you? Oh, that was Sheryl. Oh, they, I think I bowled over Sheryl. Uh, so you got to have a nickname. When yes. you're now that's There's an issue. No. Actually, that's an issue. I've got to cover off. How Caruso? I think he was a little irked last year when we spoke to him because he I didn't think like the, his nickname. Well, I don't think he was a fan of his, but I don't think in nickname land in the universe you ever are allowed to nickname yourself. Yeah. yeah. But did you get away with that? I did. 
I did. You've got when you go to GRM, you got to get a nickname. <laughs> you got to tell Gary what your nickname is, or he'll give you one. So and you just got lethal. <laughs> Very original, so- <laughs> but you got off the hook of something else that could have been far worse. Yeah, pretty much. So I, I got the nickname Lethal from when I was growing up. Uh, as a young bloke, I'd, I was always at in hospital, stitches in the head, you know, broken arms, broken wrists, broken legs um, from riding skateboards, motorbikes, anything. Um, and, and, you know, once I got to four wheels, I couldn't fall off as much. So that was the best place for me to be. But, yeah, so I, I got the nickname Lethal from a very, very young age. And then, um, and then, yeah, going to Gary's, I said, he said, what's your nickname? I said, it's Lethal. And he said, all right, yeah. <laughs> that's what we're going to call you. We don't call anyone by their first names in here. And then Robbo made the terrible mistake of, of saying, saying, I don't, I don't have knows. a nickname. And he said, uh, Robinson rookie. Caruso. Rookie error. Yeah. Rookie error. Brought upon himself. He did. Well, that's part one of our chat on the V8 Sleuth podcast with Lee Holdsworth. Part two next week. We chat more about his GRM days right through to his most recent years in supercars and we'll cover off your National Motor Racing Museum Couch Racer questions and the Motor Focus Top 10 shootout as well. Don't forget our bookshop. It is packed with books, all sorts of stuff. Bookshop.v8sleuth.com.au. You can make sure that you're not 10 bucks off the price of our Bathurst Going Global 12-hour book. It's hardcover, 320 pages, celebrating the last 10 years of the 12-hour since the GT cars have been there. And, of course, sadly, there's no 12-hour there this year. But if you've got the book, it is the thing to get you through the year without the 12-hour. That offer is not valid with any other offer, and it runs until the end of February 28. Thanks, everyone, for your podcast feedback. Tell your mates, subscribe, keep the questions flowing, keep the content rolling into us as well. You can sign up for our newsletter from the v8sleuth.com.au website. Follow us on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're always up to something there. In the meantime, that's the V8 Sleuth podcast run and done this week. Stay tuned next week for part two with Lee Holdsworth. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number 2, and oil and find out.